mercy endures forever. So thankful to the Lord for all that he has done and promised to do. Amen. Because he fulfills every promise if we are in faith and believe him for the things that he has so boldly claimed, proclaimed for us. And so it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. So we do have a couple of prayer requests and we're going to pray those. You didn't do them, did you, Miss No? Okay. Alrighty. So we'll, we'll do those. Father in heaven, we thank you. Uh, for Mr. Lester, who, uh, is, is, uh, healed. We declare him healed. He's in ICU. We curse cancer at the root right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you that his healing is prayed for, Father. We honor you and we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your precious blood that cleanses us all from all unrighteousness if we'll confess our sins. So, Lord, we just thank you, thank you, and we ask you to forgive our sins and cleanse us. And we can come boldly to your throne so that we can receive the mercy we need so Mr. Lester can be healed. We pray for Mr. and Mrs. Willis who lost their oldest son. And we thank you, Lord, to send comfort to them. Send, make sure every need that is, is there around this situation is met according to your glorious riches through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen and amen and amen again. Praise God. <clears throat> Praise God. So uh, we're going to talk today about the fact that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. The righteous are as bold as a lion. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> boldness really refers to a spiritual force of boldness. It's not, uh, you know, anything aggressive in a carnal sense and, and um uh, that and so we need to understand where that boldness comes from what it really means to be honest with you and uh, so that we can appropriately uh, know when the spirit of boldness and confidence has come upon us and how to be directed and guided by the spirit of god so because that boldness comes as a um a force to allow us to be able to accomplish the things necessary for God's kingdom. Amen. So we, we need to understand the purpose of boldness and why it comes upon us and, and, um, why it's necessary in certain situations and, and, uh, how it <clears throat> is there to help us combat our natural man. It's a, 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 a spiritual force that keeps us um, out of the natural amen takes us over into the supernatural and it's a, a good thing to know when that spirit is upon you uh, so that you can confidently go through and do the things that god has called you to do so uh um uh, Engel, uh let me see where we want to start with this well, let me pray again. Father, thank you for opening up the eyes and the ears of everybody here. Open up the hearts. Uh, humble our hearts before you, Lord. Let us just know that you are our God, our maker and a creator, and that you're a good God, and that you have given us all things already that pertain to life and to godliness. So, Lord, we thank you and we honor you for what you're doing uh, with us and for us. And uh, thank you so much, Lord, for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So um, the the uh, Galatians 5.20, no, that's Proverbs 28.1. I'm sorry. That's where I want to go. Turn to Proverbs 28, verse 1. 
It said the wicked flee when nobody's running after them. (laughs) But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. So the wicked, you know, it's easy to frighten already fearful people. And one of the hallmarks of, of the devil's kingdom is he rules through fear. He rules through intimidation. Uh, he rules through uh, keeping the flesh agitated and uh, keeping uh, people at odds and at bay and, and off guard. So the wicked will run when no man pursues them. They don't even have to. In other words, when when you're in the flesh or you're in wickedness, you're scared all the time. And so you're triggered when when small things happen. Amen. And we see a lot of that now. If you watch these crazy people, so-called protesters out in the street, uh, they are they've already been trained to be scared of everything. And so it's easy when you got people conditioned to be fearful and think fearful and and think somebody's after them. It's easy to make them pounce or move when there's nothing really there going on, the least provocation. And so one of the things I think that God does for us and I think is is probably a, a trademark of God's people is the confidence and the boldness that we have when we deal with things. You know, um, there there must be a a decision on our part as believers that God is either with us or he isn't. And once you understand that God is with you, then a certain level of faith that brings confidence and boldness with it will settle in on you. Even if you get bad news that you're not expecting, you you can get before the Lord and and take upon you his cloak, his mantle, his covering, his ability, his spirit. And in that spirit is a boldness and a confidence that you may not have in the natural, which which I believe we don't have it in the natural because it comes out of righteousness. So it says the righteous are as bold as a lion. So there's something in that righteousness package that gives a confidence and a boldness that we we just don't have otherwise. And it must come from God. I don't think we can walk in confidence in everything continually all the time without checking in with God to make sure you get peace about his intervention for you, his position with you. Uh, all of those things, it, it's a relationship thing where we put on his mantle and we put on his armor and we put on his, his essence and, and, uh, his, uh, his protection, his wisdom, all of those things, uh, we, we, uh, put those on when we get our answer from God, when we do, when we have our communion with God, when we share with him when we get understanding when we have a meeting of the hearts with God when we confess his word back to him and stand in that place where he will have us uh, be positioned then that confidence and boldness will come upon us amen uh outside of God we're all just you know scared and fearful and 
in all of those things, even though you don't, you're not aware of it so much all the time. Why? Because you have fellowship with him. And so it's through that fellowship that we get insulated from our own flesh and insulated from uh, the problems and the concerns and, and all of those things that, that plague everybody. There's nobody that, that is ever without uh, issues, troubles, tribulation, whatever you want to call it. These things just happen because we live here on the earth. But God has a remedy for it, and, and one of those remedies really is boldness and confidence that he's with us. So uh, we all know it's said that the lion is the king of the jungle. Amen. That's why God, I think, chose that example for boldness, because the lion never shrinks back. He's bold and confident even into his old age. Amen. Um, we we have the understanding of how lions they they live in communities called prides p r i d e and and when they are in communion life the young lions the bible talks about the young lions are the ones that are the best hunters because they're hungry and they will they have an instinct to go out and take prey and, and, uh, and, you know, get their food and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, but what happens when that lion gets older? Well, he's not discarded from the community. Amen. He can still roar. So what will happen many times is the older lion, because he is not as swift and he's not as strong as the young ones, will present himself when there's, when they sense that there's prey around. And he will roar as a front man and paralyze the prey. And then the younger ones can pounce and and capture them. Amen. So even in old age, the righteous are as bold as a lion. In fact, I would say to a degree, if, if they're mature in God as they get older. Amen. Everybody who old ain't mature. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So come on now. That's not a guarantee or granted thing. But, but if they're, if they mature in God with age, then sometimes older people get more bold and more confident. Amen. They'll just, you know, the people say, uh, uh-uh, uh, don't, don't try that with grandma. She'll tell you in a minute. Amen. Where when she was younger, she might have been what we call more tactful. Uh, or something like that. But, but there's a, a, a sense of, um confidence even in older age you know it's like i got nothing to prove to y'all i ain't trying to impress nobody this is the truth and i'm gonna let you have it amen as long as i'm here and as long as i'm living and so amen and so uh that's a uh in in the bible says that there's a, a um a dignity that comes with with the gray head if it's got wisdom underneath it amen so it's a good thing to have that wisdom wisdom is confidence in god amen so the lion is the king of the jungle that lets you know that there's rulership and boldness so when you are a person who's bold in god that that boldness is given to you for the purpose of ruling and reigning and having the say in a situation. So your words will prevail, even though you may not think they're being received 
or maybe people don't uh, care for what you're saying. They may not um, encourage what or, or they may even, what we say, turn a deaf ear to what's being said. It does not take away the fact that when you speak boldly and confidently on behalf of God, there is a kingdom, uh, um, I would say a kingdom authority, a kingdom military that backs you up, a kingdom army that backs you up, see. And so what God only wants is for us to speak boldly and confidently his word. And what that means is that you're not here to suggest anything to anybody. You're here to declare what the word of God says. And you're doing it on his behalf. You're not doing this for you. You're not doing it for personal gain, even though there may be things that you will reap out of that. But that boldness and confidence comes because you represent his kingdom. So it's a sign of authority and rulership when a person is is able to speak boldly and confidently the things that God would have us to speak. So we rule in righteousness. Amen. You don't rule in iniquity. You don't rule in fear. You don't rule in begging. You don't rule in, in faltering. But you rule in righteousness. Galatians 5.23 tells us, go there real quick. Twenty two says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. Amen. So righteousness is part of the fruit of the spirit and there is no law against righteousness, which means that there's when it says against such there is no law. What that means is that there are certain spirits that we operate in that are not honored by God. In fact, they're forbidden by God, and there's a law against them. That means that if we operate in that, we are subject to draw some kind of penalty. You know, if you you know if you you get angry at somebody and you quit speaking to them or something like that, um, you know that's wrong. So there's a law against even in your in your thinking, you know, it's wrong. You'll get convicted by the Holy Spirit. Your conscience will start to nag you. You know when you're wrong because there is a law against you operating in that that spirit that is causing that feeling or causing ill feeling. The Bible even says if your brother has something against you, you got to go to them. So whenever there is a breach of peace. God wants that fixed. Doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. Because when you breach peace, you are not in a position to judge anyway. If right and wrong were still an issue to God, we'd still be in our sins. That is not the issue. The issue is peace, harmony, 
Christian love, unity, let brotherly love continue. That's what God's after. He not after you proving to somebody that you, she did you wrong and you was all in the clear. We're never all in the clear. Huh? Because many times we provoke people without even knowing we provoke them. Sometimes we're so caught up in what we want, what we think, and what, and, oh, I didn't mean to you, but you did it anyway. You see what I'm saying? So the right and wrong of it, come on now. We can play that game all day long and never have peace, never get things resolved, never get to the, the essence of what life is all about. <clears throat> No, I'm not. I was going to sing. Oh, really? I was going to do one for my fave, Miss Dionne Warwick. What's it all about? And I can go and drape myself on the podium. Anyhow, I'll spare you, okay? (laughs) But anyway. See, there are many people who live their Christian lives and never realize what it's all about. Because they're so busy trying to clear themselves, condemn somebody else. They're all about what's right and what's wrong. Judging somebody. Like that's really going to make you righteous. The only righteousness we have comes through the blood of Jesus. And you go there when you confess your sins. Lord, I'm wrong. I'm still angry at so-and-so. Or Every time I think about him, I get a hot flash. (laughs) You know know what I'm saying? And so so when when you do that, there's no law against you anymore. Amen. And there's no law against them anymore. Because everybody's waiting for somebody to get it because they was mean to you some time ago. Huh? <laughs> you know, some people are still mad at their third grade teacher. She's been dead so long. You know what I'm saying? It's like, ooh-wee. She done me wrong. Huh? Didn't let me have my lunch. Huh? Told you to quit being late all the time. You could have lunch with everybody, but see. But see, righteousness, there's no law against it. And with righteousness comes that boldness and that confidence. Amen. So the hallmark of a righteous person is their boldness and their confidence in the things that God has given them to do. They're not boastful, bragging taking credit for anything, trying to puff themselves up, amen, because righteousness is a part of love, amen. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit, and all the fruit of the Spirit are laced in the love of God, amen. So even meekness is laced in love. Patience is laced in love. Peace is laced in love. And so all of these uh, spiritual forces come from the same Holy Spirit, And when we walk in that spirit and have nothing against us in our hearts, nothing against anybody else, then that robe of righteousness, we wear that. 
Now, what will disturb your righteousness is a bad conscience. So, yeah, so, and you know, really, many of us live like that until we really start to study the scriptures and understand how we're supposed to live uh, in peace in all all aspects of our being before God. But, you know, you can... You can confess your sins and ask God to forgive you and then beat yourself up mentally because you mad because you did bad. You understand what I'm saying? And see, that's not righteousness. What you're doing is you're judging on top of God's. In other words, what God says is not good enough. You got to go higher than him and start to punish yourself huh? because of your difficulty. And so the Lord showed me, he said, I want you to stay before me until your conscience is purged and you don't beat yourself up anymore. Amen. And see, that's the way to live, because if you beat yourself up, trust me, you're going to beat somebody else up, too, because you get you get tired of being the whipping post. And then you want to whip up on somebody else. Amen. So then the blame will shift. From you to them to you to them, and you're being what I call a hockey puck. Huh? And it ain't the devil doing it, you batting yourself. It's me, it's him, it's me, it's him, it's me, it's him. Huh? And see, many times we'll do that until we learn better. You understand what I'm saying? You think to yourself, now, God, this can't be the life that you've ordained for me. What have you ordained for me, Lord? Let's let's do that thing. And so when you understand the life that God has ordained for you, then you'll start to do the right thing. You'll start to understand the right thing. You'll start to want to please God more in the way that you treat yourself. Amen. And I ain't talking about straightening your crown. Get that. Can I have an usher to open the door and let all the queens out? And let the handmaidens in, okay? (laughs) Hmm. You know that this will save save some people some some space on Facebook trying to tell everybody how wonderful they are every day. You know, you look at these people and they, you know, all dressed up to the nines and you know posing and all that. And I think, boy, look at all the insecure people, because every day they've got a different outfit with a different selfie, trying to tell you how wonderful their life is. And I'm thinking it was so wonderful. Why aren't you out living it instead of? Huh? See, we've let some things ruin us. You know, we, we've lived through, uh, an era of teaching on nothing but materialism and self. What you can get for you and how God's going to help you do it. And see, we've skipped over the important part, and that is how can you live peacefully with God and with 
everybody else. See, this is what Christianity is all about. It's about having that worth before God and having a legitimate source for the worth that you have on the inside of you. See, 10 likes is not going to make you feel worthwhile. Huh? You know, I look on there sometimes and people say, ooh, do you look beautiful? I say, huh? Are they looking at the same picture I'm looking at? And I'm not going to lie. You know, I just skip over it. I say, well, I didn't see that that day. You know, I was absent. I ain't been on in a while. (laughs) Skip it all. You know what I'm saying? But see, there's a, a a false thing there. That when you're righteous, you don't have that. See, and the righteous are as bold as a lion. Righteous people aren't out to hurt anybody or make anybody feel small. We just know how not to cosign nothing. That's a lie. Huh? You know, people say things and, and they're waiting for you to say okay and you don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. That's righteousness. See, boldness, weakness will try and say something to agree with them to make them feel better. Amen. But when you're a righteous person, you only have to answer to God. And you want to give him the answer that he approves of. You don't care about all this other stuff. Not that you're a mean person and you're not trying to, you know, offend anybody. But I look at my word as something I'm expecting God to uphold. And if it's not truth involved in it, I'm not going to agree with you and cosign. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it, it could be what you consider to be a small thing. But I won't come into agreement with it if it's not true. It's not going to help you. And it definitely won't help me. Amen. So we have to have this sense of confidence in us that comes from the spirit of God. That's why we're here on the earth. We are his representatives in righteousness. There is no law against righteousness and against any of the fruit of the spirit. Amen. God allows us to devour our prey. You understand what I'm saying? We are to annihilate every evil that stands in the way of God's kingdom advancing. That's why we're here. That's why we wear the righteousness and boldness and confidence of God. So what does it mean to be bold? It means not to dread or shun through fear. So you don't back away from something through fear. We have to, it means to bear and endure. So to be bold means to be enduring. It means to be strong, alert, courageous. It means to be brave, stout, and solid. Amen. So boldness It means you're flat-footed, you're sure-footed, you're confident, you don't move, you're immovable. It means to be secure and to make firm. 
To be bold means to assure. To be determined. It means to make oneself alert. So when you're bold, nothing takes you by surprise. Amen. Now, it might be new to you, but there's a sense on the inside of a righteous person that God's not shocked. Amen. In fact, many times I'll say, well, God, you knew this was coming before it came and you've already made provision for it. Amen. And so you shouldn't be running around like chicken little upset. Might as well say, oh, me. I don't care if you can't say amen. Say, oh, me. Yeah. Hey. Amen. That's right. Because we got to get rid of that. There's nothing that comes into your life that God does not know what's coming and made provision for. Well, how come God didn't stop it? How come you didn't stop it? Huh? He never told you he was you could go around here and cut up and act up and get all in the flesh, call people up, tell them off, text them with mean stuff and all this guy and he gonna take up for you. Huh? When we would come home running, some kid chased us and my mother my my mother said, What what's wrong with you, girl? Tell me so they after me. She said, What did you do? And see, you learned how not to run home no more so quick. Because you knew, confess or not, you going to get it. Huh? Mama, teach you if you don't go around shooting your mouth off, provoking people, trying to go for bad, they wouldn't be chasing you home. Amen? Most of them. Rare exceptions. Amen? There were some rare exceptions to the rule. Amen. So so we have to understand this, that God has made provision for us. Now, if if you do something that causes a problem, does he cancel your help? I'll say that too quick. <laughs> no, <laughs> I hope not. No, he better not. God's a good God. All the time. Huh? <laughs> Miss Nola, if your children acted up for the umpteenth time, did you go rescue them in a hurry? See? How much more will your father be imperfect? See, there's a little something called faith that we must contribute to the party. You just can't run through life messing up and God coming like a big pooper scooper cleaning up behind you. Huh? He's God. He's not a nursemaid. So there's a little something called faith that you're going to have to contribute to the situation. And faith comes in righteousness. See, you're going to have to get off of, from, off the wrong side of the road, get on the right side of the road, 
and start using your faith to expect God to come for you. Job could have got off that bed the same day he got on that bed. When he finally got up off the bed 40 chapters later. He got up because God sovereignly intervened and instructed him to get up and act like you belong to me. Amen. So the sooner you can repent and get up and act like you belong to God, he'll start straightening your mess out. Don't get it twisted. You know, he'll give you another chance at what to do right this time. Huh? What did he tell Abraham? Before Abraham got Isaac, he told him, he said, walk before me and be thou. <laughs> Let me see who's at the door. I'm a, I got me a little congregation waiting out here. Congregation of little people, but nothing wrong with being little. Some of my best friends are little people. <laughs> But you know what I mean. He said, walk before me and be thou perfect. Amen. King James. That didn't mean don't do anything wrong. But pay more attention to me. Pay closer attention to me. Let me lead you this time instead of me having to find you. Huh? And remind you that I still have something better for you. Amen. And that's true of all of us. He wants us. To walk in a a level of maturity that increases all the time. You know, not so where we stay in trouble and expect him to bail us out and we never get corrected. We keep getting in trouble and keep getting bailed out. But we're to mature to the point where God can depend on us to walk perfectly before him. In other words, walk before him and be conscious of the fact That he wants us to be like him in all situations. Amen. And we can do it with his help. And so, I mean, if the patriarchs could do it, we can do it too. And so when, when God talks about our, our being bold, boldness also means to be carefree, not a worry wart, not being concerned about what's not going to happen, not going off on a tangent because something didn't occur like we thought we wanted it to occur, but to be bold and to be confident, to understand, uh, you know, what God wants us to do in all situations and do our best to yield to him so that we can be led and guided by him. And, and wouldn't you like your, your, your life to be without problems? We all want that. And I'm not saying that we're so scared of everything that you know what I'm saying. But sometimes we get flipped out when things happen a certain way, you know, Uh, comes out of left field. You weren't expecting that. Everything was going along peaceful and all of a sudden up jumped the devil. And so it does throw us off kilter for a minute. But when you walk before God. The Holy Spirit has a way of settling you back into his peace. It might come and hit your mind again and you might think maybe I need to do this or maybe I need to do that or maybe I can do this. But but eventually 
you will let God have it and you will understand that it's being taken care of even though you don't see any movement on it yet. Amen. He's taking care of everything that concerns us. It means to be carefree. To be bold means to be carefree, to feel safe, to be strong, and to be resolute. So a bold person is not wishy-washy. They don't waver back and forth. Amen. They have that confidence in God that that God is going to handle this thing. He's taking care of it. Amen. In Acts chapter 4, if you'll turn there. I think it's verse 13, Acts 4. Peter and uh, John are brought before the Jewish leaders. Amen. They were being questioned. They were always asking them, by what power and by what name are you doing this? Amen. Those words are meant to cause you to shrink back in fear. They are posed in an intimidating way because the Sadducees, the religious leaders, operate under one power. And they don't like anybody else operating under a power that's going to show them up. That's going to make them look bad or that somebody or that's going to outdo them in what they're supposed to be doing. Amen. That's true of religious people now. Religious spirits are are ancient. They've been around so long and they've studied every religion. They've studied every everything. On a spiritual level, the religious spirit and the political spirit are one and the same. So they flip-flop. That's why you'll find sometimes people who are, are politically um, doctrinaire. You know, they, they have a certain... Uh, ideology they believe in they'll preach and preach and preach and preach and hammer at you and wear you down you know that false preaching thing that's what religious spirits do too they continue to hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer you don't speak in tongues around here that's the devil you understand what i'm saying i want to know what you're saying if you don't know what you're saying don't say it you know that kind of stuff and so they do that so that they can hold power over people, that people won't veer away from them out of fear. Amen. And they they have access to witchcraft power. You know, they intimidate people. I don't know how many people I've I've prayed for that that well when I left the last church I was at, they told me if I left there I wouldn't go never do nothing. Or never, never accomplish anything. Well, that's a curse. And if you sit up under somebody long enough to give them credibility in your life and they hammer that on you, huh? Be somewhere taking a pill, trying to make yourself normal. You understand what I'm saying? And so those, those powers are real. And that's what the Sadducees and the Pharisees were trying to level at the, the church. But see, when you have boldness and confidence in God, you can resist all of that mental intimidation. See, it's just mental anyway. And so what God has us do as believers is free ourselves up so that we're carefree. We feel safe under his care. And we're not intimidated by what people tell us we can't do. Or if we do that, we'll get in trouble. 
you know, they tell you you can't pray in school. You mean to tell me I can't sit there and got up see kitty under the Yeshia Handaya and talk to my God anytime? See, the devil's never in control of who prays. The Bible says the gospel's not bound. So I don't have to get up in public and grab your hands and all this kind of stuff and we make a circle and but I know I can contact God anytime I need to. School or no school. Why? Because he lives in me. Amen. And so a lot of this stuff, you know, like like some people say, well, they wasn't doing much praying anyway. Well, I don't know about that, but I don't like Caesar telling me I can't talk to God. He don't have that authority. See, little by little, Christians have allowed this stuff to take place. And if we were really people of prayer, the way we're supposed to be, all these mega churches, you got 40,000 people in your church, and they ought to be able to take over the city. You got all the members in this, this country, in this world, is in the condition it's in? Seriously? But see, the righteous don't care about Caesar. We give to Caesar what's his. But my devotion to God don't belong to Caesar. That ain't his business. So you don't give him that. You don't tell him you're going to go somewhere and you can't pray to your God. Huh? You don't know what I'm praying or not. And you don't know what I'm saying. Huh? There was a story I heard about some slaves that were beaten by the master. They would pray at night and and if they were heard the master would beat them they found a pot and they would pray into that pot they would just you know speak and turned it upside down and they would speak their prayers into that pot and that pot was saved for many many generations in that household well slaves got free because somebody must have prayed enough to get god to do something you understand what i'm saying so if you can't pray out loud, you pray within. They didn't understand that, but they were determined not to be disconnected from their hope that was in them to get their freedom. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to be as determined. That's what I call boldness. That's boldness with wisdom. Amen. You can have boldness with stupidity, but you get boldness with wisdom and you terrorize the devil. Amen. You terrorize him. So in Acts 4.13, and it, it, they, this is Peter in verse 6, and Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, and John, Alexander, as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power and by what name have you done this? By what power and by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known to you all. Now this is boldness. He says to all the people of Israel, not just to y'all standing up here for everybody. This message is for everybody. Be it known that the name of, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
Remember him? Y'all crucified him, remember? Whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. And this is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned men. Now back in the day, if you got up and spoke, it's because you had credentials as an orator. That was very common in Greek culture, you know. They would they would practice with pebbles in their mouths to see if they could still be understood. And it was a big deal. And they hear these men speaking in public. And they, the youans and means and wees and days and everything all scrambled up. That's how they knew they were unlearned men. They didn't talk like people who were professional orators. And you know what they said when they saw that? They said, uh-oh, these men have been with Jesus. That's the report you want about what you do. Amen? You want them to know that you've been with Jesus. It's like, no, nah, it's that spirit they're talking under. That stuff has rubbed off on them. Amen. So they've been with him because they knew if if a, a teacher was was properly discipling their students, eventually you took on their spirit, you took on their their message, you took on everything about the one that you were were uh, submitted under, and so they could tell by by the way they spoke that they had been with Jesus because they spoke boldly and confidently, just like the Lord would if he were in that situation. And it says, where was I in 413? 413. Okay. Yeah. They were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they couldn't say anything against it. So when you stand in the boldness and confidence of God, against such there is no law. So they couldn't even criticize them. They saw the man standing there. They knew that they had spoken the name of Jesus. They knew they crucified him too. And they knew whatever they did in that crucifixion had very little effect on his followers. Because this is why people kill leaders. They want to scatter the followers and make the followers afraid. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, the devil had no clue that Jesus would start to live in everybody who believed in him. And he's going like, man, you mean to tell me we didn't we didn't create more than people by killing their leader? Huh? Well, the Bible says if they had known if the, the, the wisdom of the world had known this, what, what God's plan was for you, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But see, because the devil's only so smart. He's not smarter than God, and he's smarter than you if you get with God. Amen? If you stay with God, he will never be smart. He can never outwit you, can never outsmart you. Amen? So in Acts 4.29, we'll, we'll read down a little bit more. And 23, they let them go. Boldness can either imprison you or it can get you free. Amen? So Peter and, and, um, and John were let go. And it says in verse 23, they went to their own company. What company? Company of believers. 
company of people who are bold like them. Company of people who have the same precious, like precious faith. See, there's got to be an own company. Huh? I was looking at something, and this don't have to be right, but it sounds reasonable to me. I was, if anybody remembers PTL, um, uh, Kat, what's her name? Lord, Tammy, Jim and Jim Baker and Tammy Faye, his late wife. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were receiving indictments. They had started this condo association or something like that. We're raising money. A lot of saints were buying into it, supporting it. They had this thing was huge. Morris Cirillo eventually wound up with it. Where was it at? Do you remember in Virginia? It was somewhere south, maybe one of the Carolinas. But uh, it was an elaborate thing. They were going to have an amusement park, if I remember. They had hotel rooms and we're going to have the saints coming down for retreats, and they had already started. Well, they got in trouble selling timeshare because they ran out of time on the shares, and they were oversold, and that's how they got in trouble. They just didn't know nothing about business, which a lot of preachers don't. It'll shock you how many get in trouble because they don't know how to decide what's income and what's offering. even though they have smart people taking their money to keep all that sorted out. That's how Phil Driscoll wound up in prison. <laughs> when internal revenue get in your pocket, they in your pocket, honey. They hard, them people hard to get off of you when they get you started. But anyway, Jim and Tammy Faye, they were Assemblies of God preachers. And when that trouble started and there was rumors that they were – a lot of sexual impropriety and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the Assembly of God people were telling on each other, and ratting on each other. Instead of them reporting to their superiors in the organization, they went to Jerry Falwell. And Jerry Falwell is a denominational man. He's a Baptist. And so he got on TV and started telling stuff they told him that was confidential and so then what was this past week Jerry Falwell's son his Jerry Falwell Jr. his son now has been accused of sexual impropriety Jerry Falwell went on to create Liberty University, which is a wonderful school for for higher education and all of that. You know, he must have got it squared away with God. But then you got to look at your fruit, your seed and your children and what's going to happen to them. So here we got the same thing now happening with his son. You got me? It's good to just stay clean. You understand what I'm saying? Just just stay discreet. The Bible says discretion will keep you. Amen. Indiscreet people wind up paying the penalty for their loud mouth. Amen. They just do. And so we we have to understand these things. Amen. So anyway, in Acts uh, 4, we're going down to verse 29, I think, and 23. They were let go. They went to their own company. I said that to say this. Jerry Falwell was not their company. 
is not Jim and Tammy's company. Their company was Assemblies of God people and or people who were in association with them. There's lots of spirit filled ministers that could have counseled them and helped them. But they thought instead of going to their own people, they go outside to see if they could. Jim, Jim Baker wound up in prison. Amen. He's he's restored now back on television doing some things for God. But a lot of times people never get back to where they used to be, you know, even though they try. So anyway, and when they heard that, they went back to their own company and reported to the uh, all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they, the company, heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Now, it doesn't say here about anybody had a comment, anybody had a judgment. They lifted up their voice to God, and what that's what bold people do. They know they have access to God and that God is the only one who can help them and straighten it out. So they went to the Lord and he said, you are God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in it, who by the mouth of your servant, David, has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against your holy child, Jesus whom you have anointed, both Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. See, the Jews didn't just kill Jesus. Everybody did. The the world and the religious community crucified him. They had to come together in order to accomplish that. And so, you know, one world government, God always puts a stop to it. When you see the religious and the secular come together to try to run things. Look for God to put a stop to it. Amen. Just look for him to put a stop to it. It says, it, it, he says, they were all gathered together for to do whatever your hand and counsel determined beforehand to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. It's all you got to do when you got creditors at the door. All you got to do when when people are are bouncing checks and canceling credit cards and all that kind of stuff. All you got to do is say, Lord, look at them. They're threatening me. You said that I would prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. You said I can have the desires of my heart and the devil's threatening to take that away from me and cancel that. Stretch forth your hand on my behalf, Lord. Do signs and wonders. In the name of your holy child, Jesus. In other words, show these people who you are, whose child I am. Show these people exactly what you want them to do for me. Amen. Show these people. You show them. See, we can't show nobody nothing. Except how broke. The credit report is like. Just turn that paper over, man. Don't show that to nobody. You understand what I'm saying? Huh? Seriously. Toe up from the flow up. But God has, has, you don't have any credit problems in the kingdom. We don't have credit problems here. That's an earthly thing. Huh? So you ask the father to stretch forth his hand. On your behalf. Huh? 
God, Jesus healed people with the finger of God. He said, if I through the finger of God cast this, this devil, what do you think if he stretches out his whole hand on your behalf? Huh? Jesus could have got, he said, at this point I could call on ten legions of, of angels to help me if I wanted to. And we have access to the same thing. He lives in us. We need to start letting him live more. Amen. Start letting him live more and see what will happen. God is amazing. He's amazing. And boldness and confidence, security in him, it's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing to have confidence and security in God. Amen. So, so. In 29, he said, Lord, behold, their threatenings grant unto your servants that with all boldness, we may all boldness. In other words, take the stops off. So boldness got him in trouble. More boldness will get him out. That's what I feel. Amen. That's what they said. We got to have more confidence, God. We can't be wimping out and getting scared. They're trying to intimidate us. So what's going to be the answer for that? It's not, oh, God, please, they scared me, and they said they don't do this, and they said they, uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't go to the throne like that. Amen? All scared and then a little not. You might feel like it. But what did he tell Job? He said, get up out that bed. Array yourself like a man. Declare unto me. Amen. Demand of me and I'll declare unto you. In other words, start putting a demand of faith on the covenant I have with you and I'll tell you how to get out of this mess. Because you've been laying up here for weeks now and you ain't you deeper in mess than, you know, you can call everybody to the bed talking to everybody and convalescing. Huh? But God, I'm sick. I can't do it. Get up anyway. Huh? See, he'll show you how to get your confession straight. And he'll show you what sick people do in order to receive their healing. You just get up and be healed. Amen. Or lay around waiting for something to happen to you. It will. And it won't be good. So he told Job, he said, get up out that bed. Huh? What did Jesus tell the, the lame man? He told him, get up, take up that bed with you. Don't get back in it. Because you might be tempted to go back. Amen. You stay in a condition long enough and it'll shock you how quick the devil will want to pull you back into that. Even though you feel fine and you're up and moving, if, if the ghost of your former life lingers in your mind you need to get as far away from that as you can that's why when when god delivers people like uh, alcohol drugs or whatever he'll cause all them people to quit calling you forget your number you don't see them people for years why because he wants you to walk away from that and get as far away from it because it's going to try to come after you at some point You're going to get in the same foul mood that used to cause you to drink. You're going to get in the same, you know, mess that used to cause you to to do all those things because it's waiting on you. So God will help us 
to, you know, that's like the Red Sea closing up behind the Israelites. You can't get back there unless you're a real good swimmer and you can swim against the current. You ain't getting back in Egypt. You understand me? He makes it hard for us to go back. You try to call him people to try to find him and all that kind of stuff, your finger getting numb trying to dial. He makes it hard. He saves to the uttermost. Amen. If he have to make somebody cuss you out and call you all kind of names for you to get the hint. Oh, they treat me so bad. Maybe you ain't supposed to be around them. Maybe they're under orders from God to treat you bad. Huh? Oh, that's right, huh? (laughs) Right. Huh? (laughs) Oh, Pastor Brown, why you say that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. You wanted to get all upset about somebody, how they treat you. That's the way I feel about you. Oh! That's the way I feel about you. That's the way God feels about you. He'll sick them crazy people you used to have such so much fun with. He'll sick them on you, call you every name in the book, want to rob you and... Huh? Sure. He's a jealous God. He'll let them give you all kind of grief just to keep you away from them. That's the way. Well, huh? It's true. In verse 31, he said, by stretching forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. In other words, uh, uh, Peter says, give us more of what got us in trouble. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, that prayer was answered right away. The agent of boldness and confidence in our lives is the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you're filled with the Spirit, you have all boldness and all confidence. So God answered that prayer right away. Amen. Acts 18. Let me go there real quick. Acts 18. And then I have something else. Now, this is this is interesting. This is an account of somebody who seems to have a degree of boldness in God, but not 100 percent what he needed. This is the way I interpret it. It says in verse 24, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit. He spoke and taught diligently the things of this, of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. 
So he was born again, baptized in the the into the body of Christ, and he they're talking about John the Baptist baptism. So he's not spirit filled. Amen. And so it says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him un took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. What do you think they talked to him about? What about the Holy Spirit? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much and believed and had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So here's a man who has a degree of boldness, but not enough to produce signs and wonders is what it looks like. Because if he were, they would have said so, and they wouldn't have taken him aside. And so they would find many believers like that, just like we do now. People who are born again, they're denominational, what we call maybe denominationally led people, but they are not filled with the spirit because when you're spirit filled, that's that you've got the confidence and the boldness that you need to take you through to to all of that. Amen. And so um, let me see. OK, let's go to Hebrews. Chapter 10. Let me go back a little bit to see where we need to start. I want to bring you into 19. All right, it says here, we're talking about Jesus, but this man, in verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Jesus is expecting it. We need to be expecting it too. All enemies will be made the footstool of the church. I don't care what people are kicking up, talking about, trying to persecute us and all this kind. They will all bow at some point. They will be made our footstool. And he says, For by one offering, he has perfected forever, perfected forever, forever, them that are sanctified. That's us. We're set apart by the Holy Spirit, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds while I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where there, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So once the sins are remitted and paid for, there's no more offering for them. 
Your guilt is not an offering. Your feeling bad about what you did wrong is not an offering. Amen. You might as well get glad, baby, and start living like God wants you to live. Amen. Because all of that is for naught. What you're saying is, I got to feel bad so I can do a better job than you did, Lord. See, you negate the grace of God. You frustrate the grace of God when you do that. See, this requires that you meditate on the word till you get it in you, till it's real. Because I can sit here all day long and tell you not to have a bad conscience, but you, if you make up your mind, you're going to have one anyway. You will. And you won't live in the freedom. You know what? The, the biggest problem with that, and I'll tell you, because some people think that ain't a big deal. You know what I'm saying? I'm saved. I, I can pray and I can do this. Let me tell you what it'll do. If your conscience bugs you, yet makes you, your mind becomes fertile ground for the devil to make you repeat what it is that you did that you're feeling bad for. He'll tell you, oh, you'll never, you'll never quit doing that. Look at you. You done done it again. You'll never stop. Amen. And then he'll push you to go do it again, and then you feel twice as bad. You understand what I'm saying? He got you again. Amen? But if you will let faith take over, and you will let God's word meditate on that, First John, what is it? First John, if I confess my sins, First John 1, 9, is it? If, he, if we confess, start confessing more. Amen? Because we sit up and do wrong and try, well, I didn't do nothing. Well, you know, the reason I did it is that he walked in the house asking for something to eat. And you know, I goes off on the brother when they. Poor man, they had no food in days and you just going to go off on him just because you goes off on the brother. Y'all know what I mean. See, that carnal mind has got to be renewed. Renewed to the point where you ain't big on going off on nobody. Huh? With your false lying stuff, ready to crouch on that poor brother. All he looking for is something. He's scared to open the refrigerator sometimes. <laughs> Waiting to see when you get up out the kitchen so he's safe to go in there. Huh? Verse 18, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So your guilt is not an offering. Your self-condemnation is not an offering. You're beating yourself up because they didn't done it again. It's not an offering. Amen? Just skip it. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. See, for this, that's because of the blood that we have this boldness. Because it's been paid for already. We have this boldness. Boldness and confidence and righteousness always follow application of the blood. How do you think the Hebrew children got up and faced the Red Sea and they walked in front of that thing many times and this time they had to believe they were going to walk through there? It had always been their adversary. This time it's going to have to be their friend. You understand what I'm saying? When they ate that that Passover meal, Everybody was instantly healed. The Bible says there was not one feeble person in their tribe. They were instantly righteous. They were instantly confident. 
As long as they followed the leader, they were able to get everything that they needed. Amen. That's why Joshua told him when he got him a new crowd of people, he said, I'm going to fix them. He told him, we get ready to do something. All y'all shut up. Don't nobody talk until I tell you to talk. Huh? Your mouth gets you in trouble all the time. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness. See, that boldness does not mean that God is your enemy and you're fighting him to get in his presence. What that means is that you wear his clothes. And you have confidence that you belong there. Amen. You're not scared to ask God for anything. You're not afraid he might tell you no. You're not afraid. Look, look at Hezekiah. He got a total thumbs down. Amen. God even told him to prep himself for his own funeral. Like, man. But see, boldness comes upon you when you have known God and know righteousness. You know it's mercy. And that's what Hezekiah had. He had boldness and confidence to ask God for mercy. And he got it. Amen. Went on to cut up again, but he, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Brother didn't learn nothing, but hey, he was in there like us, huh? Ready to cut up again, but you know, God is a merciful God. Amen. Hebrews 4.16. Go back there a minute. One of the reasons we can be bold and confident before Jesus, having him as our high priest, is because he identifies with us. Amen. It says in verse 14, he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we, in in other words, don't quit. On what you've declared that God is going to do for you. Hold fast to what you're believing for. Hold fast to the vision you have of, of what you're asking God for. Hold on to it. Because, because you have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens. Okay. So he's sitting in the highest place ever to judge on your behalf. And he says here, uh, hold fast your profession. Why? We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. But was in everything tempted like we are, but without sin. So you want to go to somebody who knows how you feel, but is not going to pet you up and let you stay there. So he knows how you feel, but he resisted all temptation that came against him. Which makes him more powerful to help you. Remember in the old days we used to go to people and we think, well, they nice, they let me talk and they listen to me. Huh? You know what I'm saying. Or you done done wrong, you want to call some of your friends and going to tell you it's okay. Huh? He ain't that person. It says in all points was tempted, but resisted sin. So when you get in his face, he going to tell you you're forgiven, but he going to teach you how to resist it. Amen. Trust me and I'll help you resist it. Amen. 
I'll make you stronger in this. God knows we don't feel good when we do wrong. And he wants to get us over that stuff. Don't you want to be over some stuff? I do. So he identifies with us in our weakness, but he gives us confidence to resist. That's why it's so easy to talk to the Lord, especially when you confess your sins, when you stand in his righteousness. That's the only way you get in, in front of him in the throne. Amen. You you really do have to practice instant forgiveness, instant release, instant confession. Don't let things linger on you. So this confidence comes from righteousness. That is right standing with God. When you are in right standing, that is your green light at the throne. That's the time to blab everything, ask everything, declare everything. Amen. So that because you have access, you have a yes and amen. You are there to say yes and amen to what God has in store for you. Amen. And and don't go away expecting a, a no answer. God, I'm thanking you for doing this for me. I'm feeling a little shaky, a little wobbly in some areas. You know, I ain't done this right and done right. That's forgive me. You got me. Just make him your friend. Amen. So you get a green light from God. So the highest court in the universe has given you permission to ask what you will. That's boldness, honey. That's confidence. That's the way God wants us to come to him. So we must get, when we come to the throne, we must expect a yes answer to whatever it is we desire from God. So we have confidence and it's a companion and a part of our faith. Faith allows boldness to enter into the obtaining of our desires. Boldness overcomes fear of being denied. Amen. So when you come boldly, the fear of being denied what you're asking for is gone. Don't correct. When you start uh, uh, desiring things in God, don't come along and let your carnal mind correct you. And say you can't have that, you can have this, but you don't need that much. You you understand what I'm saying? Let God have his way in your righteous imagination of things. Amen. There's no shame in boldness. Amen. So with boldness and confidence, we can all safely hope in God. The Bible says that if you hope in God, you won't be ashamed. Huh? You won't be confounded. You won't be disappointed. You won't be scratching your head wondering what happened and didn't go right and what went wrong. You won't have any of that when you have that in God, see? And if you don't have it, just stay in the in the throne room of God and stay in your word until you get built up to where you understand that God is for you. He didn't put them promises in the Bible to tell you no. He put them in there so you can know what you got stored up, amen, and start making withdrawals. Because that's what God wants to do. He wants to bless us and bless us tremendously. But we got to be confident that we have a place in him that he has created for us. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for goodness and mercy. Thank you for confidence. Thank you for boldness to come into your throne where we can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And Lord, we honor you, we bless you, and we praise you. 
thank you, Father, for the the uh, release of all things that we need, that we can confidently expect that every need is met with abundance. We have no lack because we trust in you and we honor you. And that's boldness. That's confidence. We are confident in our God. And we are confident that we are heirs of yours. We're not beggars. We're not borrowers. And we're not limited. But we have a, a, an unlimited inheritance in you. So we thank you, Father, for all that you're doing for us. Give us wisdom. Give us honor. Give us all the things that we need. Give us the free flow of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That we may lead peacefully with you and among all men. And so, Father, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for helping us. Thank you, Father, that we are disease-free. And I thank you, Father, that we are COVID-free. Repeat after me, I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, I am healed. In Jesus' name, amen. It is decreed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.